Hello and welcome to Rad Mom Radio, a podcast dedicated to moms and all their favorite topics. My name's Natalie and I'm your host. Hi and welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here with me. If it's your first time listening, welcome, and I hope you enjoy. I just wanted to do a quick check-in with you guys before we get into this week's topic. So I don't know about you guys, but I feel like last week was really heavy, just kind of a strange week um, with the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. I hope that I'm pronouncing that correctly. As a parent, I just can't imagine, and I've just been thinking a lot and praying a lot about those families that were directly impacted by that event. You know, you get so stuck in routine, and you get used to doing all the things you do every day, like sending your kid to school and things like that just make you realize what a big deal that is, you know, entrusting your kids to other people for an entire day. I don't know, it's just a lot and it's just kind of heavy and I'm sure it is for you guys as well. Aside from that, I've definitely been following the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I actually didn't really follow it from the beginning. My husband Josh was watching it pretty, like he was pretty into it and he would like give me recaps that I didn't ask for, (laughs) um, but that I patiently listened to at the end of the day every day. And I don't know what it was, but I started to get into it. And we both watched the trial on YouTube. Um, He watches a group of lawyers that follow the trial and give commentary. But I found this legal commentator on YouTube named Emily D. Baker. And I just love her. Like she covers all of these like celebrity trials And so she's been closely covering the Depp Heard case. And so she's been like my BFF for the last week or so, just watching her and hearing her opinion because she's also a lawyer. So that's been really interesting. I don't know if you guys are following that. It is a circus for sure, but who doesn't like to watch a circus? I mean, if we're being honest. So we're just waiting on the verdict for that. School is wrapping up. Riley only has the rest of this week and then next week before school's over for summer break. We are not doing summer school this year. Um, I really felt like he needed a break, so he's going to be off for the summer. We have some cool stuff planned for him that I haven't told him about yet, just because, you know, I'm guessing this is how all kids are. I'm not really sure, but if I tell Riley something's going to happen, then he he doesn't stop asking about it until it happens. So I'm really not trying to have him ask me about it every day, multiple times a day for the next month or so. But we're going to take him to Legoland. And then I also signed him up for this program. It's a surf camp put on by a group of people. And it is specifically for autistic children and adults. And what they do is like they go to different I think it's mostly in California. I'm not positive. There might be some ones on the East Coast as well. They take autistic people out to surf. 
I'm really excited to give Riley the opportunity to surf. I am kind of nervous about, like, I'm not going to be allowed to hover like I normally do. Um, I read the rules and, like, you're kind of supposed to let them do their thing. And you kind of, like, the parents are supposed to stay further back, which I completely understand. But it means that I'm not going to be the one hovering over him. So we're going to have to do some extra praying that week. Yeah, that's going to be interesting for me, but I'm excited for Riley because I think that even if he's too afraid to try it, I think just doing the camp, I think he'll enjoy that. Other than that, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot going on. It's about to get really uncomfortable in Fresno, weather-wise. Technically, summer only lasts three months, but in Fresno, it feels like it's five or six months of the year. Not really excited about that, but it is what it is. So my topic today is imposter syndrome in motherhood. And so if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, I found this definition that I really liked in an article written by a lady named Crystal Raypole, and she wrote this article for Healthline.com. And so this is how she defines imposter syndrome. She says it is a perceived fraudulence that involves feelings of self-doubt, and personal incompetence despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. So in other words, imposter syndrome is basically like a feeling of not belonging somewhere or like in a role that you've taken on or not being good enough to pursue a goal despite the fact that you are fully qualified. So A person with imposter syndrome might feel like their accomplishments are the result of luck. So like if they, you know, get into a good school or they get a really good job, they attribute that to luck instead of like their experience, their skills, their talents, and the hard work that it took to get there. So my favorite example of imposter syndrome, because I actually didn't know the term imposter syndrome until like the last couple months but I'm very familiar with with the feeling of imposter syndrome. The example that I really like because I relate to it so much and also because I think that a lot of people do also, it's kind of universal. Like, have you ever had that feeling like as you became an adult and you're doing adult things, that feeling where you feel like you're a child pretending to be an adult? It's kind of like, who in their right mind decided that I should have the audacity to do all these adult things? You know what I mean? Like, even though I'm over 18, I can manage to live by myself, take care of myself, pay my bills, keep a job. It's like I still feel like I'm a little girl pretending to be an adult. Does that make sense? I feel like that's a really good example of what imposter syndrome is. It's like feeling like a fraud or feeling like you're pretending because ultimately you just don't feel like you belong or you don't feel like you're qualified to do something that you've been trusted to do. And I feel like the crappiest thing or the most difficult thing about imposter syndrome is that if you struggle with it, I feel like it pops up in a lot of different areas of your life. So If you're someone that really has a hard time with imposter syndrome, you're probably going to deal with it at work 
or like in your relationships with people or like maybe you're into like music. You like to play the guitar and sing and you want to do that in public. Like you want to do performances and stuff like that. Like you might feel yourself feeling like I'm not good enough to do this. Like who really wants to listen to me do this? You know what I mean? So now that we've defined what imposter syndrome is, you can probably guess what that looks like for a mom. Imposter syndrome and motherhood is that voice in your head that's kind of like, wait, they're really letting me take this baby home? <laughs> like someone, someone said that I could do this by myself, you know? I definitely felt that when Riley was born. I was like, who in their right mind is letting us take home this baby? I felt like I didn't know how to do anything in the hospital. I remember, you know, trying to figure out how to breastfeed. I remember trying every different position to hold Riley to help him breastfeed. And at one point I was kind of like holding him like a football because that's how they had me hold him. It's just all these little things that you just don't know how to do. And so you're like, you're really going to let me leave a ho the hospital with this child. Like, what's wrong with you? And, you know, in that sense, imposter syndrome in motherhood is really common. Like if it's your first baby, most of us don't really know what we're doing with our children. If we've never had that experience before, it would make sense that we're kind of like feeling unequipped to take care of a child. But if you really think about it and you look back on your early experiences with your child, you probably have some kind of instance where even if you didn't know what you were doing, your maternal instinct kicks in. So it's like, even though we don't feel like we know what we're doing, in reality, we have all this maternal instinct that gives us the things that we need to protect our children, you know, as we grow as moms and become more familiar with all the little things that go along with motherhood. And I feel like as moms, because our kids go through all these developmental stages, we have to grow with them and we continue to feel like we don't know what we're doing because new things come with each stage. It's like you have a baby, then, you know, maybe there's teething, don't know what the heck to do with that. And then maybe there's, you know, walking and crawling and talking and feeding and all these things that come up that you don't really know how to handle, but you learn. So it's kind of like a, a continuous journey of not knowing how to do something, doing your best, figuring it out, and figuring out what's best for you and your child, just gaining that confidence as you go. And in particular, I think, you know, for me as a mom, a lot of the times, because my son Riley is autistic, you know, there's an extra layer that you have to take into consideration. So, with Riley, when I started to see signs of autism, I remember feeling like another type of imposter syndrome where it's like, I now am entrusted with caring for this child that has special needs, you know? And what if I'm not good enough to be his mom? What if I'm not the right mom for him? Or what if I can't 
rise to the occasion? You know, like, what if I can't become enough for him? And I remember feeling that a lot, you know, especially when he was first diagnosed. There's so many decisions that you have to make. There's a lot of pressure to make different decisions and make them quickly. And if you have an autistic child, you probably know what I'm talking about. It kind of feels rushed in the beginning, like when early intervention is discussed and you feel like, oh my gosh, I got to figure out all these things right now for my child. And it's a lot. It took me a long time. Like Riley was diagnosed like four years ago. It's taken me a long time to learn or to develop the confidence that I know what's best for my child. And so my, you know, journey with Riley, you know, as the mom of an autistic kid is not going to look the same as other moms, you know, that have the same circumstances that I do. But I have to know and trust that I'm making the best decisions for my child, you know, so how I deal with it is I try not to compare myself to other moms, you know, and what works for one family is not necessarily going to work for another family. I feel like that's just an extra layer of it. And, you know, there's, there's stuff that's going to keep coming up, you know, eventually if Riley goes to like middle school, he's going to go through puberty, high school, like what if he like wants to date, like these are all going to be things that are going to continue to put me in a position of feeling like I don't know what the heck to do, like who gave me permission to help this child live his life in this world. But when it comes down to it, there's a reason why I'm his mom. And with your child, there's a reason why you're their mom, because you are the most equipped person to raise your child and be the person that they need. In that article that I mentioned earlier, the one by Crystal Raypole that she wrote for Healthline, um, she does also go on to talk about different types of imposter syndrome and kind of like what you can do about it, like what causes it, how you can manage it. I'm not going to go into that so much, but if you want to read about that, it's a really good article. There's also some articles out there about imposter syndrome and how it affects women of color. And they're really, really good articles. I didn't want to necessarily speak to that because I'm not a woman of color. Um, but there is that. And there's also a podcast by Brene Brown that she did on imposter syndrome and how that affects women of color. So those are also some other resources that you can look into. I think that there are a lot of things that probably contribute to why a person struggles with imposter syndrome. If you're someone with a really loud inner critic, or maybe you were criticized a lot as a child, or you weren't allowed to make decisions, maybe you were questioned all the time, so you don't necessarily feel confident in your ability to make decisions or manage things. That could be a contributing factor. But there's all kinds of things and um, definitely worth looking into. I think that that contributes a lot to people not trying new things and not stepping into new things um, because they feel intimidated or they don't feel like they are good enough or capable enough. So 
I know that's something that I'm really working on a lot. I I know that mine comes from my childhood. <laughs> Thanks, childhood trauma. Um, just kidding, but but not really. But you know, I'm working on it, and I do believe that it'll get better as time goes on. But yeah, that's my topic for today. I do love feedback, so if you want to message me or just let me know what you thought about the episode, did you relate to it? You can find me on Instagram at radmomradio. You can also send me an email, radmomradio at gmail.com. I would love if you would follow the podcast, give it a good rating. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.